Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning. That means time for the weekend review and preview conversation. Uh, joining me for that conversation, glad to welcome back from the UBS Chief Investment Office, Equity Strategist for the Americas, Matt Tormey. So Matt, welcome back to Top of the Morning. I know there's a lot to catch up on, so looking forward to the conversation. Hey, good morning, Dan, and thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So, Matt, perhaps we could begin with corporate earnings. I know at this point we're well into the heart of the Q4 corporate reporting season. So how have results been measuring up relative to your expectations heading into this current earnings season? Yes, Dan. So we're wrapping up the second busiest week of the fourth quarter earnings season as 25% of the S&P 500 market cap reported. And next week, we'll hear from another 30%. And so far, we described this earnings season as underwhelming, but not alarming relative to our initial expectations. But just to emphasize, it's still pretty early with more than half of the companies still to report. So we'll have a much clearer picture in the coming weeks. Now, going through some of the numbers that lead us to this conclusion, right now, about 35% of the market cap has reported, and roughly 63% of companies are beating on both earnings and sales estimates, which represents a decline from recent quarters. But if we look at the averages since 2014, this would be a generally decent outcome on the sales side, but a disappointment on the earnings side. Looking specifically at sales, the growth rate on a year-over-year basis is coming in at 4%, which is at the low end of our initial expectations. On earnings, the aggregate beat rate is 1%, but on a bit more of a positive note, the median beat is higher at 3%, And corporate profits are down 3.7% year-over-year. So, again, this is generally disappointing as we were expecting 0% earnings growth, which would suggest an earnings be more closer to 3%. Uh, Looking at guidance for the companies that have already reported, the median first quarter 2023 EPS estimate has been cut by about 2%, which isn't terrible as many investors coming into the earnings season did think that we could see companies slash their outlook with a potential recession on the horizon. But what's not as encouraging is this number has ticked lower as more companies have reported. If we turn to some of the trends that we're seeing so far, right now we aren't really really seeing any signs of any major red flags. And with the large U.S. banks now having reported, results suggest that consumers are still in good shape, which shouldn't be all too surprising given the strength of the labor market. Uh, Companies leveraged to services, such as travel, are also indicating the resilience of the consumer. A number of tech companies have started to report, and one clear takeaway has been that the headwinds are growing for IT spending. And to wrap up, we're also hearing more companies that have exposure to China say that this segment of their business should be an incremental positive going forward. Okay, so some encouraging takeaways there, Matt. Thank you for providing some reflections on the results we've seen thus far. As we look ahead, what are your expectations for earnings growth in coming quarters and being mindful that fears of an economic slowdown, they seem to remain on the minds of investors? We do expect corporate profits to remain under pressure in the coming quarters. And this is consistent with our 2023 S&P 500 earnings per share estimate of $215, which will likely represent a 4% year-over-year contraction in earnings. But if we do look at where the 2023 bottom-up consensus estimate started the year, it was at $229.50 per share versus where it stands now at just north of $225 per share. So we continue to see downward revisions with still a little more than $10 to go before consensus is more in line with our view. But getting here will be driven by a few headwinds that should be pretty well known by now, 
and they include the aggressive Fed rate increases to slow the economy and reduce inflation, a normalization in demand for products and services, especially within tech, that were popular in the early days of the recovery from the pandemic, a stronger U.S. dollar, and still higher than average cost increases, especially on the labor side. Now, when we're thinking about earnings, we have to make a few assumptions about the macro environment, and a few key indicators we pay close attention to are the senior loan officer survey, the unemployment rate and jobless claims, the ISM manufacturing index, and the U.S. dollar. And so far, the Fed's interest rate hikes have had a major influence on these indicators as credit standards have tightened, the U.S. dollar is stronger relative to where it's been in the past, and the lagged effects of rate hikes should keep the ISM in contractionary territory for some time, so somewhere in the high 40s in our, view, in our view. But where we aren't seeing weakness is in the labor market, which is still too tight, and this gives the Fed room to hike further until we start to see some softness in the data. So for now, the current environment suggests continued pressure on corporate profits, and if we do end up in a recession, the median peak to trough decline is usually about 16% um, looking at the historical data. So this is something we're keeping in mind. It's interesting, despite the growth concerns, just looking at the performance of equity markets over the past few weeks, equities have gotten off to a strong start here in 2023. of The S&P 500 on a year-to-date basis up roughly 5.5%. So what factors, Matt, would you say are supporting this momentum and is the momentum sustainable? Yeah, so equities in the, here in the U.S. are definitely off to a good start this year. And there have been a number of factors driving these returns, including better economic growth prospects in Europe, as natural gas prices are lower largely due to a mild winter. China's rapid reopening as the country's abandonment of its zero COVID policy has improved the outlook. A slowdown in wage pressures and more benign inflation readings have given the prospects for a soft landing, higher credibility, and generally cautious positioning may have also contributed to the strong start, as some investors may have been caught offside by the improving growth and inflation mix. Now, even though we are in the heart of earnings season, I wouldn't necessarily say that results have been a big factor of returns so far this year, as since J.P. Morgan reported a few weeks ago, which is usually viewed as the unofficial start of the earnings season, the S&P is up only 1.5% since then, so the majority of the year-to-date gains did come during the first few weeks of the year. Going forward, we don't think there's that much room for upside from here, and stocks are probably at the upper end of their near-term range. So if we look at the forward PE on the S&P 500, we're now at 17.8 times, which is quite elevated in the current environment, and we struggle to see the market trading above 18 times on a sustainable basis. Because if we look back in history, since the early 1980s, the only times the forward PE was higher than 18 times we were in periods where profit growth was very rapid, so anywhere around 10 to 20%, or interest rates were at very low levels. So similar to the 2020 and 2021 environment, when the 10-year Treasury yield averaged about 1%. So while the Fed may be closer to ending its rate hikes, the chances are that rates will have to stay near lofty levels for some time until there are clear signs that inflation is heading towards the Fed's 2% target. But this is going to continue to put downward pressure on corporate profits, and therefore equity market valuation. Well, it's always helpful to manage expectations. So thank you, Matt, for providing us some thoughts around what we can expect near to medium term with respect to equity market returns and how we got to where we are today with year-to-date performance. So as we pivot now to next week, the preview portion of our conversation, what will be taking place that you feel, Matt, investors should keep an eye on next week? 
Yeah, so starting with the economic calendar next week, it's going to be quite busy, and we're going to receive a few important updates. So starting with Monday, we'll receive the Dallas Fed Manufacturing Index reading for January. On Tuesday, the fourth quarter employment cost index reading will be published, and this is going to be really important as it's probably the best day, best wage data that we do receive, and it's going to be an important input into how the Fed thinks about the path for monetary policy going forward. Also on Tuesday, we're going to receive the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Survey reading for January, with consensus currently projecting a slight improvement at the headline level. And we'll additionally get another manufacturing update with the Chicago PMI read for January. On Wednesday, a very important day, as the Fed's FOMC meeting will conclude, and the market is currently pricing in a 25 basis point rate hike to be announced. Also, the January ISM Manufacturing Index reading will be released in the morning, with consensus projecting a decline from the December reading, but remaining in the high 40s. Schultz job openings will additionally be published that morning and will provide, yet again, another important data point for the Fed on the state of the labor market as the FOMC meeting does conclude later in the afternoon. And lastly, incremental updates on construction spending and the January ADP monthly employment survey. Turning to Thursday, more labor market data with the weekly continuing initial jobless claims numbers, which have been quite resilient as of late. And we'll receive an update on durable goods orders for December. And to wrap up the week, the January jobs report with consensus expecting a slight uptick in the unemployment rate to 3.6% and a slowdown in job growth to 180,000, but this is still quite healthy. And the ISM services PMI is expected to come back in above 50 just slightly, but if you do remember in the prior reading, we did see a more than six-point decline in the index into contractionary Tory, which um, did come as quite a bit of a surprise. So if the economic calendar sounds busy next week, so will the earnings calendar. As I mentioned earlier, about 30% of the S&P 500 market cap is set to report and does include major players across most sectors, including Exxon, McDonald's, and Pfizer earlier in the week in Meta, Amazon, Apple, and Alphabet later in the week. Okay, that, that's quite the week ahead. We'll have a lot to catch up on on next Friday's edition of the Week in Review and Preview, though. Matt Tormey, thank you very much, as always, for dropping by the podcast and keeping our listeners informed on CIO's thinking. We spoke about equity markets today. Very helpful to have that preview into the week ahead as well. Always a great way to cap off the week. So, Matt, wish you a restful weekend and looking forward to having you back again with us soon. Thanks, Dan. Have a good weekend, everyone. Today, we have been joined by Matt Tormey, equity strategist for the Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.